All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome you all in on this absolutely beautiful Sunday morning. <clears throat> Man, it's going to be great to spend some time outside this afternoon. But let's just come into his presence this morning and worship our Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would fill this place, that we would come into such an understanding of your presence, such a, a, an awareness of you this morning that we would end up changed in Jesus' name. So just as the kids have come up here, I feel like this is such a beautiful atmosphere of just, there's a purpose that's being released in their lives and God has a purpose for each one of us. And I feel a lot of times we lose sight of that. We lose sight of what our purpose is and we feel like we're just kind of going through this walk. But God actually has a purpose and a plan for each and every person here. And I feel like these kids coming up and just taking a step out and like Josh, I just, I loved seeing Josh up here this morning because I feel like God's releasing a purpose in him and a joy in him to come and worship. And I feel like all the kids as well. So to this morning, I just feel like that's for everyone. An identity and a purpose of being a child of God just, is just being released this morning. So just open yourself up to that and just say, God, sometimes I just feel lost and I don't know what I'm doing, God, but would you just release your purpose for me? Would you release a joy and an identity of who you are? and what I walk in God that I am a child of God that I'm not meant to just walk in something just blah Lord but there is such beauty in what I can walk in there is such purpose in what I can walk in so just open yourselves up to him this morning because I feel like he wants to release an identity in us this morning sometimes when there's a call like this we actually need to take a step and if you want to come to the altar You are welcome right now to come to the altar. Um, I was actually thinking that I would be speaking on something to do with praise today. And when I started looking at, at some things, I, I, I turned to Colossians chapter 3 and I got stuck. Ever have that happen? You start reading the Bible and you get stuck right away. And all of a sudden, oh my goodness, like, Something else is important now, something you weren't thinking about, something. And um, a couple weeks ago, uh, Bernice and I were having a conversation, and we, we talked about the fact that um, when we were kids, so we both grew up in the church, and when we were kids growing up in the church, we had all sorts of uh, kind of teaching kinds of things that happened in the church, whether it was, you know, everything from the vacation Bible school that happened in the summer through to the Sunday school that happened throughout for every different age group. And over the years, culturally, things have changed at a level where even in this church where Sunday school, people basically stopped coming at a certain point, And there was, you know, only a very few who, who would come to Sunday school on Sunday. And so, you know, we were, we were sort of talking together about, well, where do we get that that sort of foundational teaching. And, and I was kind of going back to my heritage. 
which is the came from the the Dutch heritage, where um, even for for young folks, there's actually a catechism where you you go through really almost a, a a short kind of Bible school, and then there's a profession of faith that comes in at the end, and there's there's this intent to engraft the Word of God into your heart, and. And so what I, what I want to do this morning is I actually just want us together to do a little Bible study. And I think, I think this would be really, really worthwhile because for any of you who say, well, I, yeah, reading the Bible, that's kind of hard, whatever, and I, I, it's dry and I don't get much. Maybe, maybe this morning the Lord will impart something and we'll get a little bit of, ex, a little bit of excitement in that so that, we can, so that we can learn because his word is sufficient. Uh, it is like it's all there. We we don't need lots. Of, now we have resources out the yin yang today. You can go online and find tons of resources and all sorts of people explaining all sorts of things different ways, whatever. But really, really, what's in the Bible, what's in the Word of God, is is what we need. And so, Colossians three verse one. If then, oops. If then is a conjunction. If then means something came before. Because we're talking about something and then we're saying, so if that's true, then. Uh oh. (laughs) We can't start at Colossians 3, verse 1. We have to go back to Colossians 2 for a minute. And in that, I'm just to mess you up, we're going to do that in the NLT, okay? (laughs) It's just, there's a lot of big kind of old words in, in, in the ESV on that. So Colossians 2. Let's start with verse 20 of Colossians 2. So it says, You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. You know, we have to be born again, Right? Born again. Why do we have to be born again? Well, we have died with Christ. So, if we're coming into life, we have to be born again into another life. And it says, he set us free from the spiritual powers of this world. And then it says, so why do you keep on following the rules of the world? Such as, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules might seem wise because they require strong devotion and pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline. Yeah, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Wow, whoa, 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 whoa. So the preacher gets up and says, so, don't follow the rules. Did the preacher just get up and say, don't follow the rules? Actually, I didn't. I said, they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. How many of you want help in conquering evil desires? Did you know that following the rules through the force of your will will not help in conquering your evil desires. That's what the Bible says. What? I thought we were supposed to follow. We're good Christians in here. We're good Christians. We follow the rules. 
no. Sorry. If you're good at following the rules, that will build something in you, all right. And that thing will be called pride and judgmentalism. You'll be really good at figuring out who else follows the rules as good as you do. Ooh, yeah, look at that. He got angry and he snapped at his kids. Well, I don't do that. I'm a better Christian than he is. God resists the proud and he gives grace to the I'm telling you right now, if you're really, really good at following the rules because you decided to do so and you do it through the force of your own will, you will actually cause distance and distinction between you and God. And I'm going to talk about that distinction thing in a minute because this is a revelation Galen had and it's quite, quite significant. You know what? I like that enough. We're going to pop back up to verse 16 in chapter 2. Like, it's just, it's there, and it's a paragraph. And if you look at it in your Bibles, there'd be that we just read one paragraph. We're just going to go to the paragraph above it here, because this is just good stuff. It says, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days, or new moon ceremonies, or Sabbaths. What? This is back to rules. If the reason we have the rules is to prevent us from maybe doing something wrong, we're going to be messed up, okay? We're actually, here's the funny thing, even those of us who are kind of good at being good, at keeping the rules, we're not good enough at being good and keeping the rules. We really can't do it, okay? And I grew up being good at keeping the rules, and I can tell you I was extremely judgmental. I, I, I knew where everybody was in the pecking order of good Christian or not. But what about that Sabbath thing? So I, I grew up in a culture where, in Dutch, you know, if you did anything on Sunday, somebody would look at you and say, Op Sunday? What? On Sunday? How dare you? And you know what? The heart of it is all good. The heart of it is an intent to honor God, but what we actually end up doing is honoring the rule. And the thing is, now now we're going to get to this in a minute, and when we get into Colossians 3, which is really where we're going here, okay, I promise, I said it was Colossians 3 study, and it will be, but what we're going to figure out is that the rules actually have a basis to them. And it's the basis to them that actually matters because the rules, God's rules, not man's rules, God's rules reveal something about the character of God. And so we'll we'll get there. But anyway, okay, so on Sabbath. So then verse 17. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Okay, so a shadow... So let's be clear. So this is kind of what I was just saying. If the rules are a shadow of what's yet to come, that means that what's yet to come does cast that shadow. Does that make sense? Like, you know, if, if you're going to have a shadow, if I'm standing here and there's a shadow behind me, that's because I'm here. If I'm not here, there's no shadow. So if the rules are a shadow, that means there is something that casts a shadow of that shape. And that's why I'm saying the rules are not irrelevant, okay? They're not to be ignored or float, you know, you don't flaunt the rules and, and just automatically, oh, there's a rule. Well, I'm going to just 
absolutely break it. There's no value in that. Those rules are cast by a shadow of something that God actually values. Okay? The problem is, again, if you try and build a relationship with my shadow, it's going to be hollow and flat. <laughs> it's not going to be much of a relationship. Can't really touch it. You know, light shines different and it disappears. It's hard. So the rules are not the thing, but they are a shadow of the thing. Okay? So don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, which, by the way, okay, so the reason Paul's writing this letter to the Colossians is because there were some folks who had come in there who were busy trying to put all the Jewish rules onto the Christians, okay? So the Jewish rules were there because, again, I think initially a well-meaning group wanted to make sure that you didn't accidentally sin, and so if we can build enough of a wall between you and actual sin, it'll keep you from sinning. Missing the fact that sin is all about your heart and not about your actions, but it was an, in t an attempt to actually protect a people from potentially accidentally sinning, okay? So um, they were coming in there to do this. So Paul's writing to say, no, no, don't, don't, you know, because they, they said they've had visions about these things, but their sinful minds have made them proud, and they're not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. So we are the body of Christ. Christ holds us together as a body, and it's not our shared doctrines and rules that hold us together. Right? It is Christ himself. Oh, man, I like that. Okay, I'm, I like that enough. We're going to go to verse 13, too. <laughs> Okay? Verse 13 says, You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. But then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave, what's the next word? All, All our sins. Even the ones you haven't done yet. Just think about what that means for a minute. If he forgave all your sins, you actually can't disqualify yourself, can you? You actually can't. Like at any given point in time even, you've just done something that you know was wrong. You even know the Holy Spirit grabbed you and said, don't do it, and you did it anyway, and it's awful, and now, I've used this example before, and now your little kid comes up to you and says, Daddy, I have a headache. Will you pray for me? And you think, yeah, I don't think God wants to listen to me right now. I'm actually a mess right now. Which sins did he forgive? All of them. Do you know that you're still clean? It's only in your own mind that you're not. In his mind you are. This is very, very cool. Huh. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Yeah, that's worth a clap. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Woohoo! Take that! Public shaming. There you go. Very cool. You know what? I think we uh, particularly... So anybody here from a, a Catholic or Orthodox background? Okay. 
in some ways, you may have had a bit of an advantage. Because those of us who come from primarily um, evangelical or even Protestant in general backgrounds, we have this weird theology and it's wrong, so I'm going to deal with it here for a minute. Okay. That theology is this. God created the world. That part's good. He gave stewardship over it to man. Still good. Man sinned. And God couldn't stand the sin. And so separation came between man and God. Not so good. Man sinned. Yep, that's clear. God couldn't stand the sin? Hmm, not so clear. Let me tell you something. We actually take that, that whole idea that God couldn't stand sin largely comes from one little passage in Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 13. And it basically says, and it's, it's a poem, first of all. Habakkuk was a poetic prophet, so his, his entire prophecy is, is a poem, first of all. And in the poem, he says, and you could not look on sin, right? So that we get that God, you are so holy, you could not look on sin. But then the rest of the verse effectively says, so why do you? <laughs> Meaning he does so. Sin doesn't make God unable to look at you. God is greater than sin. Sin doesn't scare him. Sin doesn't mess him up. Okay? So this idea that holy God can't, can't bear to look at us because we're sinful is actually backwards. And we see it throughout Scripture again and again and again and again. What happens when the people sin? He finds yet another way to bring them back. Yet another way to bring them back. Yet another way to bring them back. We're the ones who keep running away. He's the one who keeps chasing. It's not the other way around. It's not like he finally establishes something and then we sin again and now he's trying, you know, it's like, well, I can't look at that. And so this is, this is a thing that we kind of have wrong uh, in, in our thinking a lot of times. And often when I'm talking to somebody who has uh, perhaps not, is no longer connected to the church and is in fact not professing Christ anymore in their life, when I talk to them, it always comes back to this this goofy idea that, well, you know, there were all these rules and everybody's trying, and a bunch of hypocrites not even keeping the rules and whatever. And it's somebody who's lost sight of the fact that it's not about the rules. It is about the love of God constantly chasing us, you know, coming after us, God finding a way. Okay. Okay. If this doesn't work, fine. I'll come and I'll die for you. How about that? I'll actually die to save you. And he talks, you know, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to see something about, about the elect, perhaps, although the, the ESV doesn't necessarily use the word elect. And it's like this small group of chosen people that God has. How about if the elect is pretty much everybody? The Bible doesn't say that the elect is a tiny little special group. And uh, today during worship, Andrea came to me and she said, it's like we think 
while we were singing and whatever, we think that a place at the table, you know, where there's a place for you, we think it's sort of like you showed up unannounced and everybody's moving things aside to make a place for you. Uh-uh. This place was set for you with your name tag on it. It is your destiny. It is your place. You are the elect. It is for you from the word go. And, 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 and your identity is to sit at that place at the table. This isn't something that was hurriedly made for you. This is something, well, okay, we're waiting for you to take your place at the table. And that's what God does. So Colossians 3, let's do a study on that. So we'll go start with verse 1 ESV. If then, oh yeah, if then. We now know it's all about this, you know, we're dead to those things and now we're, going, now we're living in Christ. We've been risen with him, okay? And we're, all right, okay. If then you've been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Hmm. What does seek mean? Yeah, look. Try and find. Try and learn about. Search. Yeah, these are good. That's what seek is. Seek, learn, find, discover. Chase after. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Ooh. Ooh. That's hard. Because you see, these things that are on earth, they sort of take our attention. Sort of big time they take our attention. We have our jobs. We have our families. We have our social media. We have our television sets. We have... We have all these things that take our time and that they take our attention. I have to tell you right now that if your attention is on all of these other things, you don't have the capability of having attention on lots of things at the same time. Praise God, he does. Unfortunately, we don't. So here's a problem. Because the scripture does say, this isn't a rule. This is the owner's manual. You got it? So... The rule, you have to change your oil every X thousand kilometers. If you don't, they take your car away. No, if you don't, your car will break. The oil will get old. Some of it will get burnt out. It will run dry. Your engine will seize. You'll break a rod. You'll score the cylinder. That's it. Your engine's done. It's not a rule. It's just letting you know how things actually work right. How they work best. Set your mind on things above, because if you don't, I'm telling you right now, you're going to get caught up in all those other things. And those other things, they're not actually good for you. You run dry. No lubricant. Everything has friction. It's not, it's not where we want to be. So, you know, and this isn't about, okay, so set the stopwatch, and I've got to make sure that I give equal time to God that I give to... Like, it's not about that. This is a heart attitude. Is, is it important to seek after things that are of God? And I'm telling you, it, it, it just when I do the inventory in my own life about where I'm spending my time thinking, where I'm setting my mind, man, I wonder how good it could be if I could really actually set my mind on things above on an ongoing basis. You know, I, I, I still remembering, you know, in Scripture, things like, you know, Peter's shadow falling on people and they get healed. I think I need a new shadow because this one doesn't work. <laughs> so what's that? How does that come about? 
Well, I have a feeling that as I'm learning to set my mind on things above and be more in that, we, may, we might start experiencing some of that. Hmm. Well, that's good. We're in verse 2. <laughs> For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So that was, you know, we kind of got that from Colossians 2. We're dead to those sins as well. It says, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Man, I read that. I read that again, and I did a word study on glory, and I, you know, it basically seems to mean exactly what it says, and nothing, nothing more or less. It says, when Christ appears, then you're going to appear with him in his glory. Okay. That seems pretty straightforward. I, I have a feeling that's a whole lot deeper than I know. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, now it gets to the harder stuff. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Okay. Um, put to death. So does that mean, like, try really hard? I don't think so. I think we figured that out already in the last one. It's not about that. It's actually about as we are, like, these are all connected thoughts. So if we're setting our mind on things above, and if we're concentrating on the things of the Lord, you know, we won't have a lot of time for a lot of this other stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's like Ben was saying this morning about pour it out because, you know, God doesn't compete with that other stuff in us. So it's really just get rid of it. You pour in. Now, the neat thing is he will, this is a cool deal, he will come underneath it and lift it out for you. If you're welcoming him to pour in, it's not a competition at this point. Now it's just all the cruft is coming to the top and getting skimmed off. And we, it, you know, we, we see in scripture about like a crucible for silver or like a, 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 a furnace for gold. And, you know, how that happens where the, the cruft comes to the top and gets scraped off and thrown away. So, I mean, he may not compete, but he will help. And, it, and it's actually that thing, because we were asking before, you know, they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Well, what does provide help? Setting your mind on things above does. Okay, that's interesting. And I, I, I want to I look at one of these words a little bit here. I actually, I actually highlighted it in yellow. <laughs> it says, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is not a word that we use in everyday conversation here in 2022 in Canada. So it bears looking at a little bit. Covetousness, what is that? So easiest way people say would be jealousy. But let me give you some really sort of culturally relevant things right now. How about if we called it mm, comparison? Have you ever read somebody's social media post and really thought that they were having it better than you? Have you ever been to somebody's house and thought, oh, this is such a lovely house. I wish I had a house that was this lovely. 
Do you know what those things are? Have you ever thought, oh, man, you know, that Diana, man, she knows how to worship the Lord. I don't have a place like that. I don't have a spot here to, you know, to, and, and I, I'm just not that good at that. Do you know what those things are? They're covetousness. So am I telling you, so stop it? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm telling you what that builds. If you give in to that thing, if you embrace that thing and concentrate on that thing and, 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 and hold on to it, what it builds in your life is idolatry, because you're setting up idols. And the next verse, verse 6, it says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Hey, wait, whoa, what, what, what? Didn't we just read in the previous chapter that our sin is covered? What's this wrath of God is coming thing? I want to I kind of look at this a little bit again. Remember what I said earlier about, you know, the things that sin brings are actually just a consequence. They're not, they're not so much uh, a, a, a rule as God's saying, this is how I set it up. This is how it works. You do it different than this. It's probably not going to work very good. In fact, forget the probably. It's not going to work very good. Okay? So <clears throat> let's go back to that, that comment I made earlier about how we, we kind of get this thing wrong about, you know, God can't look on our sin because his holiness can't put up with it. And so then we're out here and we had to find some way to get back to God as opposed to God's finding a way to chase us down again. Right? But what is that distancing? What, what is that? Like, did God get pushed away by our sin? No. What happened was in here and in here. What happened is, and if you, if you study the word, what, what, was it a word study in the, in the Greek? Okay. Where the word used for that is actually to make distinct to make distinct, yeah, what it does is it makes it so clear to us how different we are from God. It makes it so clear to us, and then we cower and run. Where were you, Adam? I was naked, so I hid. Right? That's right from the beginning of Genesis. That I realized how distinct I am. I was embarrassed by that, so I pulled back. Right? So it's this, it's this sense of, of, uh, of, of what happens is that we build walls, but we don't have to. And so in verse 7, it says, yeah, in these you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. And then it lists a bunch of things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do you know, again, the issue is this. If you engage in those things, you will not have your mind set on things above. You will not be seeking him, and you'll be giving in to those things. And it's, it's really like somebody who's just taking a little bit of something they're allergic to, and, then I, and, and you say to them, well, don't, don't, don't do that. And they go, you can't tell me what to do. And they take a big mouthful or two of it, right? And it, and, and, it, and it makes them really, really, really sick. That's all that we're talking about here. So all these things are, are those, frankly, 
Don't lie to one another. Seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, and oh, this is such a great little phrase here, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Guess what? You don't have to have it all perfect. We don't have to have it all right on day one because we are being renewed. God is a God of process. Did you know that? Did you know that it took 4,000 years after Adam and Eve fell before Jesus came? God doesn't, he, he mostly doesn't fix things in an instant. Do you know that? Most often there's process involved and there's all sorts of learning and there's all sorts of growing up and maturing and things. Like you can't have a child and bingo, if you've ever seen the movie Big, you don't take a child and turn them into an adult in a day and it works. It doesn't work. They're not prepared to be an adult. They don't have the skills. They don't have the experience. They don't have the, the mental maturity. They don't have the frameworks. And, and the same is true. So this is, if you want to hold on to anything here, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And then this is also really important. For here, there is not Greek and Jew circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all in all. You know, we look at that list. Let me, let, me just, let me just kind of expand that list again into what it really is saying. So Jew and Greek, we can go with Jew and Gentile, but we can go with colors and tribes and nations, and there's no distinction between people in the kingdom. Circumcised and uncircumcised. It doesn't matter what your religious tradition is. It doesn't matter whether your parents followed the rules properly when you were born. It doesn't matter if you've done the thing and dotted the I's and crossed the T's and and whatever. Those are not relevant because Christ is all. He is all and he is in all. Oh, wait a minute. He is in all? What does in all mean? Do you know what? If you are a Jew and you are circumcised and you are following the law, well, Christ is in that too. What? Wait, you don't have to just follow our doctrine and our theology and it's not like, I read my PAOC constitution and that becomes the truth? Oh boy. <laughs> I'd advise you not to go there. Um, the reality is that Christ is all, and he is in all. He can work through all of the things we have messed up, and I guarantee you when we get to glory, we will discover, wow, we believed that? My goodness. I don't know what one of those things would be, of course, because then I would change it if I knew, but I am quite prepared for the idea that there's some things that I hold on to pretty tight that are just completely not important and other things that I've barely noticed that are, oh, wow, that would have changed a lot for me. (laughs) Okay. Um, Fair deal. Yet we're open to the spirit of God so that he can pour those things into us and lead us. So, hmm. So, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, 
kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Compassionate hearts. Do you know, that's pretty critical in all of this. If you are railing at something and it's not coming from a position of compassion and love in your own heart, you could be pretty sure it's not really the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, I remember reading the book, uh, I think it's called In His Footsteps, written by Bruce Marciano, who's the guy who played Jesus in the, the, the John videos where they did the NIV, whatever. And, um, and it was a, a massive life-changing experience for him to do that. But he, he, he came to a place where he was about to do the, woe to you, O Corazon, woe to you. Okay, you know, this is Jesus really speaking some very hard words to some folks uh, who were religious leaders and, and, and whatever. And, and Bruce said, you know, he was praying about it for days before they were going to shoot the scene, just saying, Lord, what was really in your heart at that time? Like what, what you know, were you just angry that they were doing? And what it came down to again was, no, it was more like a parent yelling at a child who runs out onto the freeway. Right? When you yell at your child when they run out onto the freeway, it's not because you're so angry that they just didn't listen to me and they ran out on the freeway and dog on it anyway. When they come off the freeway, they're going to get such a spank. Yeah. You're yelling at that child because they might get hurt. Your heart is for them. And I can tell you that if our heart isn't for that one, we're probably not coming from a place that is that is actually the Holy Spirit. And this is just a gauge in your own life. You can do this. You can kind of go, hmm, so is this coming from a place of love or am I just really annoyed? I don't like that sometimes, but it, it is scripture. Yeah. Kindness, humility, meekness. It's funny, we, we don't know the word meekness, right? <laughs> we, we always think, you know, meekness. The meek shall inherit the earth. If that's okay. <laughs> that, that's not what meek is. Meekness is actually strength under God's control. So it's actually the control side, not the... Not the it, meek is not weak in any way. Meekness is actually being willing to be directed by God rather than by myself. It's kind of cool. That was for free. Okay. Um, meekness and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. And you know, there's such freedom in forgiveness. It's so funny on this side of forgiveness when I'm angry and I, I feel like I have the right to have this grudge, to hold this thing and whatever. And on this side, it feels like forgiving would be giving something up, something I have a right to hold on to. And on the other side of forgiveness, there's such freedom. It's like, oh, that thing is no longer weighing on me. It's no longer bugging me. It's no longer driving me nuts. And, and you know what? I can actually love this person after all. It, it's, it's such a better place. It's, it's an amazing thing. It's amazing how much scripture actually works, hey? And above all these... Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. 
And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Hmm. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching. Oh, this is amazing. Okay, you remember I, I said there was some foreshadowing there? Right? I said after the worship time, we could be done, or we could just do this all morning. All right. Verse 16. Let's get through this. Let the word of Christ, man, it's like I'm the guy from Princess Bride here. <laughs> Can't get the words out. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And by the way, the King James says, has an extra word here, which is by. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Did you know that we actually teach each other? We admonish each other. We build each other up by singing songs to each other. Does that really say that? Yeah. Yeah, it does. We teach. First of all, it helps the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. Woo. Do you know what? Learn to sing the scriptures. Mmm, that's a thing right there. The word of God would dwell in us richly, and then we can teach and admonish. And admonish has actually got a piece of correction in it. One another in all wisdom, but singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. So what we do here on a Sunday morning, that first hour is every bit as impactful, if not way more sometimes, because it gets right to our spirits, gets right into our spirits. And our minds might come into alignment at some point, but boy, it's in our spirits. Whereas a lot of this starts with our minds and it has to get into our spirits. Now, I'm hoping that my spirit is, is, is impacting your spirit at some level. But I am saying this is that cognitive thing more so when we're teaching Whereas when we're doing the, the declarations and singing, and if you recognize from what I've been teaching on so far this morning from this chapter, I could have put that chapter up for you guys this morning and the worship would have been the same. Because really, so much of what we were declaring and talking about this morning in worship is in complete alignment with what we're, what we're teaching on in, in going through the word together. So, verse 17 is where we're going to end. And I want to say right now, and that's not a cop-out. I was planning to end on verse 17. Verse 18 would be another sermon in and of itself, but this is not a cop-out. I'm not scared to deal with verse 18. <laughs> verse 18 starts with, wives, submit to your husbands. Okay? Just, just so we're clear on what verse 18 is. And I would be happy to go there. However, that is not where we're going today. Verse 17 is where we're going to finish. And it says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Remember what we've talked about, do in the name of, I've taught on this before, in the name of. What does that even mean? 
And so often it's that little tagline we put on the end of things. In Jesus' name, amen. What does that mean? And again, I would challenge you in your mind, change in Jesus' name. Like, say it. That's fine. But change it in your mind to say, because Jesus said so. Amen. Because if you come in the name of Jim and say something in the name of Jim, it better be because I said it. Or at very least, it better be fully in alignment with where I would have gone. Right? Don't you go in there and tell somebody, you know, get off that debit machine. You can't use that in the name of Jim. Because <laughs> Jim said. <laughs> don't, 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 you're welcome to use the debit machine, by the way. <laughs> um, no, I mean, so legitimately, in the name of Jesus means consistent with the direction he would give. Right? So, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you make things so clear. Thank you, Lord, that you have already raised us up so we live with you, that we're dead to that old man. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that as we set our minds on you, we can leave behind all those other struggles. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Well, yes, in Jesus' name, because he said so, amen. Be blessed today as you go, and it's beautiful weather. So, all right. Good morning.